Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're gonna need each other. No one's slick as Gaston, no one's quick as Gaston, no one's neck as incredibly thick Thick as Gaston. Gaston. (laughs) Do you want me to count? I used to remember the rest of the lines. For there's no man in town half as manly, perfect a pure paragon. That's good. Yeah. This is the first time I ever heard the name Gaston outside of Beauty outside and the Beast. Outside of Beauty and the Beast. It was so strange. I loved it. I was like, whoa, Gaston. Whoa, I think Gaston. I literally said, oh, Gaston. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how's it going, Mita? I am here. Oh. Alive and well. Alive. I know. What a. This is that weird. Christmas is such a strange time, right? It is. We are both on our winter break. Like, no more yes. work for the rest of the year. Yep. But I still feel like there's so much work to do. <laughs> yeah, my life is busy, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, fortunately, actually, that's I don't want to be ungrateful. I told myself I'm very I, lucky. I wouldn't plan anything for the weeks, yeah. and then I wound up planning things, and I'm like, oh, yeah. why did I do that? That's living. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Okay, Mita. I know we have things on our list, and yeah. I know you have to talk about actually one of the things on our list. Anyways, Mita, <laughs> I saw Avatar. <gasps> yeah, I heard. You know. <laughs> How you know? How was it? <laughs> you sent me a message asking like, "How was it?" and I completely ignored it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I timed it too. I stayed up till midnight. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, "I'll ask now" because they'll be leaving the theater, and you ignored it. <laughs> I ignored it. I completely ignored it. What do you want to know? <laughs> um, I guess like, did you enjoy the experience? Do you think it's like people are saying like, "Oh, people will go see movies again after this"? Do you think it follows into that lore? Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a complicated movie to review in that sense because it's okay. Okay. I as a okay. film overall, yeah. It's very strictly okay. Mm. It's not bad. It's 3 hours and 15 minutes and add that to your and a, like a big chunk of that is credits because there's mm-hmm. a lot of credits and also then 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes of like pre-show and trailers. That's three and a half hours. So it's an event. It's an event. So it's long and it's longer than the first one. And I was actually talking to a friend today about how like the first one felt long, but it felt like warranted. It felt earned that yeah, length. Yeah, because it's the first because, of its time. Yeah. And you were like, you're creating a world. There's a lot of explanation. There is a story in the first one. There is no story here. And it really feels like an excuse for special effects. It's a very, one of the best reviews I read on on IMDb. Mm -hmm. Let me pull up the Metacritic because it was exactly how I felt. So let me just, uh, and let, I'm going to start quoting the people because I should be doing that. Yeah, give credit where credit's due. Exactly. So Christopher Michelle, M-A-C-H-E-L-L of Cineview, okay. said, as the credits roll on one of the most spectacular and unengaging films of the year. Wow. That's exactly it. Spectacular it's, and unengaging. Yeah. It's just, Which is kind it's, of what my sentiments have been this whole time. Like, that's what I felt like it was going to Yeah, be. and I was really hoping it wouldn't be. Like, I was hoping it would be spectacular, but it would be engaging that there would be a story. But I was just so, like, withdrawn from it. Mm-hmm. 
Especially because I feel like with special effects, it's kind of like, we know all of this can be done. It's not like nothing is new, nothing's exciting. It's kind of like, okay, and now what? Yeah. It's not like they're coming out from the screen. Yeah, Yeah. It's not like, it's not, it's just not that experience. And I was talking to a friend about it today who also saw it and liked it, I think, a little bit more than me. But I was like, you know, there was not, this is a three and a half hour film with some of the most expensive state-of-the-art special effects in the entire world. Mm -hmm. And not a single moment made me drop my jaw the way the animals coming out of the truck in RRR did. (laughs) Yeah. You have to have something. Like, I get... I get, like, wanting to make a sequel, especially when you had something that was so well-received the first time. Mm -hmm. Was the... So I... I don't know if people are listening to us, but I've never seen Avatar, mm-hmm. so I don't know if that that story is good in itself. Is it kind of just like a sequel in that sense of, okay, here's some more cool special effects years later, but still not a great yeah. story? Well, at least, look, Avatar 1 was Dances with Wolves, mm-hmm. or like, again, my friend described it today how he had heard, Fern Gully in Space. Okay. Like, it's all of those things, but at least there's a story. Mm-hmm. At least there are characters, there's motivation, there's understanding, there's arcs, there's a, like, it feels like something. This, honestly, like, I, there's like a very limited story that did not need to be three and a half hours. And there's like huge sequences of just, we're here because you want to show us something cool. Yeah. And that gets tiring really easily and really quickly. Do you think, so do you feel like these nominations for Best Picture are warranted? That's such a great question because in my head I'm like, is this are we is this what we're calling the best picture of the year now? Because it's not best technical picture. No, it's, it's best not. Picture. And I hope it wins all its technical awards because, like, rightfully so, it is like he knows what he's doing in that department. Mm-hmm. But I think the one thing about James Cameron is that he doesn't seem to realize that the reason Titanic was Titanic was not because we saw the Titanic sinking; it was because of Jack and Rose. Rose, it it's because of Kate and Leo. It was because, which is because of Kate and Leo, because yeah. Kate and Leo have these career defining performances and that were so, so charming, so enigmatic. I can't even say the word. They're just yeah. great, enigmatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're so amazing and like, yeah, you f- you remember the the Titanic sinking overall. I don't. You also <laughs> no, but like overall, you remember that it happened. Yeah. But like the sequences you remember are the painting sequence, them dancing in the, like, underbridge, them meeting the, like, I'm flying Jack. It's all stuff that is about their character building and their relationship building Mm -hmm. that defines the film. The iceberg. The iceberg, all of that. Like, it's... He seems to have forgotten that the story was the guiding light in that. And we watched a movie about two star-crossed lovers on this doomed ship, not a doomed ship. You jump, I jump, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. That's like what we this know about is it. all of that stuff. And the reason the drama on that worked is again because you're vested in that relationship. Yeah. And it's just not here in this. No. And again, not to harp on the RR of it all, but like here is one of the most expensive films ever made compared with a film made on a like a minuscule budget where the special effects are not amazing. There's some great stuff, but you can tell that's a fake tiger. Don't like <laughs> who are we kidding? Wait, you what? can tell. But it doesn't matter. And that's the point. It doesn't matter that it's a fake tiger because you buy into the story. When, again, when that sheet opens and those animals pop out and it's dead center, it's it's such a, like, it's an awe-inspiring moment. It's entertainment. It's entertainment and it's such well-made entertainment. Mm-hmm. 
it was it and it's special effects surrounding a story, not special effects as your story. So you feel like the nomination do you think it's, it's not warranted, warranted in any way? No, I don't. So maybe I won't have to see it? <laughs> I will get nominated. God damn it. But I think you can skip it still. But well the other part of this is that I do like to see all nominees like in yes, the last five years that. or so I've always done that. But maybe I will just make that judgment call of like, no, I have principles yeah. and I don't need to see James Cameron's Avatar. I think I'm also just at the point in my life where movies just need to be doing more. Yeah. Like they need to really be working hard for me. And like, that's my demand of a movie now. And this isn't working hard. It's easy to throw money at a problem. It's easy to throw money at special effects and make them amazing. It's hard to do the Banshees of Anishirin. Yes. That's art. Which That's I like, also saw more recently. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I'd love to hear your thoughts more thoroughly. I really enjoyed that. I don't think it's like necessarily my cup of tea. I'm not going to be the person that's be like, let's go. Let's watch Banshees today. Yeah. Um, but just in its simplicity, like there's something so beautiful about the Irish landscape mm-hmm. that is engaging right from the get go. I'm more invested in these characters just because of how beautiful of a movie it is. And then the characters themselves are just so well written and thought out. And it's actually a compelling story that it's dark in its humor, but it's something that happens so often and it's so relatable mm-hmm. of like just friendships just falling out. I was watching mm-hmm. it and I was like, what if one day Nadim and I just like don't talk to each other anymore. It's it's such an interesting approach to it too, right? Yeah. Such a it was such a it's such a people have I saw it way before and I've recommended it to a lot of people and like you included were like, what's it like? And I'm like, honestly, I don't even know what to tell you. There, without it's kind of indescribable. It. Yeah. Yeah. Without telling you exactly what it's about and what happens and like some of the bigger themes, it's it'll ruin it. You kind of just have to just watch it and experience it. Yes. And it's not in any way like over the top as well. No. And easily could be. Yeah. Easily could be over the top. I really, and but that's what I'm saying. You have these two movies who are being compared as the best picture of the year. And I'm like amongst other things. Mm-hmm. And there's just no competition. No. Well, I mean, I'm still rooting for everything everywhere all at once. I feel like that should be the forefront. But that's another example of a film that has that does have some great special effects. Yeah. But it's not but about the, story, the special effects. Yeah. The story is the most compelling part. And that mother-daughter relationship is what guides that whole movie. I feel like it's not a spoiler alert because it came out in the summer. But the scene... No, don't say it. Okay. Can I just say it to you? The rock scene? Yeah. Yeah. How do you have a scene... Like, I actually was yeah. so moved. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's literally two rocks. Two rocks with googly eyes. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so funny, but it's so like, oh, I love it. It's all it everything you can keep this in. Everything everywhere all at once is all of your emotions at once. It's experiencing all capabilities yeah. that you have as a viewer. And you're not overwhelmed by any means. And I think that rock scene is a great example of let's try something different. Yeah. Let's experiment. And that could have easily backfired. And it's done very sensitively and very nicely, and you believe it in its entire context. So it works. But again, Avatar just feels like more of the same. Mm -hmm. I've seen all of this. I know you can make a world. I know we can make photorealistic people. I know, like, what, why is this, why am I watching this? Yeah. 
what? Because I gained nothing. I learned nothing. I felt nothing. So you feel his like cockiness towards all this is unwarranted too. It's also very like self-indulgent filmmaking. It's like mm. you want to do this because you feel like you can. Okay, cool. You're James Cameron. But like, I don't, I think I'm drawing the line with this. Like if he's going to continue to make these, I just don't care. Yeah. Someone's going to have to tell me, no, this is the defining movie of our time for me to go see it. And this is the only thing that you've done in the last like 13 years. From an, a director who isn't amazing, but has made some skilled films. Mm-hmm. Like, what a waste of talent. Yeah. Like, this His man ego. made Terminator and Terminator 2. <laughs> right? And I like then true Titanic. Lies. And True <laughs> Lies. This man has some incredible action films. Yeah. And has one of the greatest love stories ever put I've ever film. written. Yeah. And still, this is what you're doing. You're this is what you're doing. It in on these feels, blue aliens. Yeah. yeah. And I could even respect Avatar as a standalone piece, but just like, why are we, why are we still going? Also, I read the most, fe- like the best thing I've read in weeks, Edie Falco. I sent it to you, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I did. I saw that before, but then I was like, oh, he is watching it today. So I didn't send it to you that day, but I did oh, see no, no, that no. before. Yeah. Edie Falco saw it. It came out. She filmed it four years ago. She's a role in it. She thought it came out and that it bombed. <laughs> Which says so much. So much. Because nobody made hubbub about it because she filmed, yeah. it, filmed it so long ago. So long ago. That's hilarious. Oh. Okay, Mita. Yes. What have you been watching? Um, I am continuing on my holiday journey. Today is yes. December 21st. So I only have 21, 22, 23, 24, oh, wow. 25. Five more days wow. of movies. And I'm kind of glad now it's yeah. it's starting to feel like homework. It's not as fun as like Halloween was. But in the last time I saw you, I watched Miracle on 34th Street. The original? Uh, the original. Or the one with Mara yeah. Wilson. Which I thought I had never seen, but I have seen. Okay. <laughs> um, but actually just like a nice classic Christmas movie. Like yep. it's heartwarming. It's cute. Um, I gave it, let me see here, three snowflakes. Then on the 16th and 17th, I watched Little Woman from 1994 and Little mm-hmm. Woman from 2019. Mm-hmm. And I do prefer the 2019 Little Woman. I think there, I mean, obviously it was made in the modern day. And mm. so that's why it's like a bit more approachable. But I do think if I were to watch it like 10 years from now or almost 30 years from now, I would still probably feel the same way. Whereas yeah. like Little Woman 1994 is so 1994. So I gave the 94 version three snowflakes and then the 2019 version three and a half. Um, That's it? Three and a half? Three and a half. I remember at the time I was saying it's a perfect movie, but now I don't feel like it's a perfect movie. That's fascinating because I thought... Remember how obsessed I was? Yes. (laughs) Three and a half, not even four. I wasn't as... And four would have been surprising. I I wasn't as moved. I wasn't. But is that because this is an interesting question because is that like, have you ever watched a movie and then loved it and then watched it again and just not expected to feel that like I wanted that excitement again of like, oh, my gosh, something like modern and cool and what it's saying about women. And I was watching it and I was like, why am I not still having those like feelings? Like I remember seeing it in theaters and thinking like, oh, this is such an important movie for this time. Like I want all young girls to watch this and to like be able to do that. To see like Joe, this version of Joe at least. Yeah. And 
I still feel that way. I think she does a really great job of adapting the story. And like Joe is a very respectable character for young girls to see. I do think young Mm -hmm. girls should watch this movie. But I wasn't moved in the same way. I wasn't like as it wasn't as compelling to me. But I think that happens often. Like the first time I saw Wonder Woman, I was like, yeah, women. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second time I was like, okay, it's just it's a superhero movie. Like It's just, just, yeah, with a woman. With a woman in the lead, which is just so rare. And maybe that's what it was. It was like I hadn't seen enough women at the forefront um, and telling stories like this and something that's so like it's old fashioned, but not dated. I think that's what's really great about it. But um, yeah, I left it off with three and a half this okay. time. I still love Florence. I think um, they do. Because like when you look at what Amy is in the 94 version compared to the 2019, it's a world of difference. So I appreciate that. Then on the 18th, I watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang for the first mm-hmm. time. For the first time? Yeah. It's, it's a fun. very Shane Black movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's very Shane Black. It is, yeah. I I like Shane Black because I think he's has like a fun point of view and like yeah. can make things like kind of jaunty. I didn't love this though. Okay. I felt like I don't know. It felt too Shane Black, which is weird because it's one of his earlier ones. Like yeah. I think he really like the nice guys to me is a really like the best version of him as possible. And yeah. I think it's taken him some time to sort of like edit and like make his movies actually whole and full figured. Um, and so I gave Kiss Kiss Bang Bang just two and a half snowflakes. Okay. Then I watched Batman Returns, which mm-hmm. is just so cheesy and so yeah. dated, but it's still so much fun. There's that like nostalgic feel to it. So I gave that three snowflakes. Okay. Um, and then last night I watched Happiest Season, which I did watch last year and I didn't get all the like hype for it. Everybody yeah. was like, yeah, Happiest Season. And this year I was like, yeah, I still don't get that hype. So I gave it two and a half snowflakes. Excellent. I I guess I can't ask you what's on the list to come. You could. I think we're okay now. I don't need to keep secrets from the So what so what's coming up then? Uh The Family Stone is this evening. I was going to say I hate The Family Stone. <laughs> I thought you liked it. No, I hate it cuz I hate I always find you're not supposed to like Sarah Jessica Parker, but she ends up being the only sympathetic character in it somehow. I want I didn't like her back in the day, but I haven't watched it in a long time because yeah. it's not one of my favorites to yeah. watch. I hate the family. It's a very divisive movie though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And then after that is Eyes Wide Shut. And then Gremlins, Love Actually, and Die Hard. Oh, that's that's a top five Christmas well, top four I'd say Christmas for Mita. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Mita. Yep. Well, speaking of top four. I don't know. There's no way to segue into this. We watched Gigi. (laughs) That's the segue. That's the segue. Yeah. I should have said like, ooh la la. And then you. Yes, exactly. Something like that. None of that happened. But Mita. Yes. What did we watch? This week, (laughs) we watched um, the 32nd Academy Award winner, Gigi. Yeah. No. Wait, no. 31. 31. 31st. Yeah. River Kwai is 30. Yeah. Yes. 31st <laughs> Academy yeah. Award winner, Gigi. Which is also our final review for 2022. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This release is right before New Year's, and then we'll be doing a whole s- different slew next year. Whoa. Wow. What That's a time crazy. to be alive. What? Okay, Mita, do you want to give us a quick IMDb disco for this movie that neither of us knew existed until we were forced to buy a DVD of it? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it existed. I just didn't. Did you? Yeah. I mean, I've heard, heard of it. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Well, um, Gigi is, as described, weary of the conventions of Parisian society, a rich playboy and a youthful courtesan in training, enjoys a platonic friendship, which may not stay platonic for long. <laughs> I don't know why that was the response, but here, there you go. Okay, yeah, that was Gigi. And uh, to give our audience some context, yeah. Mita and I could not find this to stream anywhere. No. And in this giant world, you can't rent it, you can't stream it, you can't do anything with mm-hmm. it. So Mita was lovely and found a DVD on Amazon and she bought it mm-hmm. and came over and we watched it together. Yes. And then Mita lent me the DVD so I could watch it again. <laughs> because, not because I loved it that much, just to clarify. Because I felt disconnect while I watched it. Mm, interesting. Let me walk you through that disconnect. Okay. Because I watched and I was just like, am I missing something? And that's why I watched it again. Turns out I wasn't. <laughs> because turns out yeah. we were meant to get behind the love story of a man in his 30s mm-hmm. and what appears to be a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. Who is... <laughs> Training to be an escort. Yeah, that's where my disconnect came. And then I had to go home and Google, like, what a courtesan really yeah. is. <laughs> because I I did not understand what was going on between the, the grandmother, the aunt. And the aunt, the, yeah. Yeah, and her, wait, her great aunt. It's her great aunt then? Great aunt, yeah, yeah, because they're sisters. Her grandmother, her great aunt, and herself. I was like, wait, yeah. what are they training her for yeah. exactly? <laughs> like, to be a wife? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's no, an No, they're training this 14-year-old girl. Her, 15, maybe. Well, her age is never mentioned. She looks young. She looks so young. Yeah. And I looked it up. I couldn't. And this is why I had to watch it again. Because I was just like, did I miss something? Are we really meant to get behind this love story? And turns out we are. <laughs> it's, but I think, I'm not sure where you missed it. Because literally in the first scene there's an old man talking about how he loves young girls and how he he gets excited every time young girls come around singing what could only be described as a pedophile's anthem i i wrote in my notes pervert city yeah (laughs) yeah this movie was confusing on so many levels Mm -hmm. and there were things about it i really liked Oh, interesting yeah there was a couple of things that i was just like why couldn't this thing just be in a different movie But, like, overall, I was just confused. Very confused. Especially, I guess, okay, where would we like to start? Because there's a couple of things that I have. Start at the start. Okay, the start. This is a musical. Yes. This is a musical where in which people talk sing (laughs) the whole time. Yes. I don't understand why you would have a musical where you don't have people who are, like, singing performers. Yeah. Even your narrator, he is talk singing the whole time. Also, the narrator is Lumiere. Like, I'm convinced that's where they got the idea of Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast from. Like, I... So, okay. This is directed by Vincent Minnelli, who also directed another movie that we watched recently, An American in Paris. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) After watching it, I was like, huh. Do I prefer the story in Gigi versus the dancing in American in Paris? And I was... 
finding myself just a tad bit more entertained by an American in Paris because it has all that grand like dancing and that feels like more musical to me. Whereas Mm -hmm. Gigi just feels like you're trying to tell us this disjointed story or this love story with some songs just like sprinkled in that don't Mm -hmm. really make sense. That's an interesting question because like you're saying they talk sing, there's no numbers. No. There's no like production numbers. There's a couple actually. But no big, like, dancing, choreographed dancing or anything like that. They are talk singing. And you're on the streets of Paris. Like, you could do it. But also then why? Like, why is that the convention for it? Why a musical? Why not just keep this a love story, like, without any musicality? Yeah, like a romantic... It's a rom-com is what it's meant to be. So why not just keep it a rom-com set in the 1900s? Why are you telling me he's bored by, like, having him sing talk? Where he could just tell me he's bored. (laughs) Yeah. It feels a bit lazy. And unnecessary. Like a lot of aspects of this film. I will say the one song I really liked was when they sing at Maxine's about like, and they're essentially gossiping in song, like whisper gossiping. They stop and they're like, and who's that? I loved that sequence. Yeah, it was almost like a little jazzy, like Bob Fosse kind of moment, but it didn't do the Bob Fosse. But it it was like, but it was so fresh and it felt so original. And like that happens early on in the movie. And I'm like, okay, I can totally get behind this. But like, we don't see glimmer of that like ingenuity later on. Mm Mm-mm. It just it's just that one sequence and I'm just like, this is great. And then never again. And never again. And like they don't even like they don't bring that moment home too. Like it's a glimmer no. of that and it's like, yeah. okay, you could really stretch this out. You could make this like a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. But they don't. Like they could have had everyone in the back just like starting to dance. Yeah. And they don't they just like continue on with their conversation. So then it becomes this awkward moment of like they were talking, they froze, now they're not yeah. talking. And the other thing that was confusing was, this is called Gigi, and it ends up being about her, but the whole middle portion is about Gaston. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure out why. Like, I couldn't figure out from a writing perspective why the story starts on her and her development, and then we switch to Gaston being this playboy, and then we come back to Gigi, and it's just like, I don't think we needed this middle portion to get to this, to get to their love story. So why didn't we just focus on her or focus on them more? I think, like, the way I saw it is, are you more, are you specifically talking about, like, his first love interest that he has in this? I'm forgetting. The one that he takes to Maxine's the first time? Yeah. No, I thought that was okay. I think some, I think some backstory about Gaston is interesting. Mm -hmm. But that whole sequence where, yeah, like, he, they, um, they go to Maxine's and he's bored with her and then he breaks up and then she, you know, attempts suicide, which honestly... (laughs) You and I, I both. Was, <laughs> I was like, what? I was so surprised when I saw it again. I thought it was hilarious. Though. Yeah. I thought like how they played it off is actually very, very funny and very dark. Okay. But like, I liked it. I was just like, this is kind of hilarious. I was so confused. So confused oh. by it though. I will say I did enjoy watching it with you because I felt like I could like laugh at some of the moments. Yeah. yeah. Movies are meant to be shared experiences, but that's yeah. another conversation. Yeah. There was just things, like, up until that, like, she attempts suicide, and then, you know, his uncle, who is honestly one of the worst characters I've seen in, like, a long time, just, like, and this isn't even coming from, like, the Gen Z mentality of it. I'm just, like, ugh, like, this guy is so misogynistic and just gross and obnoxious, and, like, I don't like any of this human being. But anyways, 
then he starts telling them, oh, you need to be seen around and you need to do this and you need to party. And I'm like, why? Why do we care so much about him and his personality and all of that? We get it. He's a popular, good-looking playboy. Do you feel like they're probably just trying to, like, justify why Gigi might want that life? Like, why, why or why she's being pushed to be a courtesan? And, like, but to see how it? luxurious it would be to be the girl. Because I will say, like, sometimes this is probably anti-feminist of me, but sometimes yeah. it would be nice to, like, not have a care in the be world. Kept. Yeah. To be kept. And yeah. to be taken care of and not have to, like, all I have to do is get my nails done and my hair done and, like, I'm good. Yeah. And maybe put out every now and then. Yeah, exactly. Like, it would be fine. <laughs> sometimes that that idea is attractive. And so maybe they're sure, trying man. to sell that. Yeah, you do you. That's what's, <laughs> that's what's floating your boat. I mean, I think I would get bored, personally. Because I also think as a courtesan, you can't have ideas. You can't express. Yeah. You know, you can't be yourself in a lot of ways. And like that that relationship that you have with that man is a front. And it's a limited experience. Yeah. There's a time limit on it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. No, they're <laughs> I don't, not trying I don't to sell the courtesan experience? Okay. I don't think they're trying to sell the courtesan experience, especially because Gigi doesn't even want it. No. No. It's not something she's after. It's not something we have to believe in. It's kind of being thrust upon her, and she's kind of like, I guess. And that's where I feel like the movie should have focused on. Like, of like her, her disdain for this, like having to go to the great aunt's house and yeah. like learn all these things. And I think there should have been more, like if this movie was made in the modern day, yeah. there would have been more push of her being like, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to become this woman? Like, what is the point? Yeah. And like, interestingly enough, watching like Little Woman, the 2019 yeah. version, yeah. Amy is sort of being pushed into that realm, but she is still stands her ground. It's like, no, like, why do I have to be this girl? Like, I don't, I want to have ideas. I have things I want to do. I want to paint. Maybe Gigi wants to paint. But Amy too. is still aware, right? Amy has that whole speech with Timmy where she says, like, my options are limited. Good. I have to get married to Rich because I, I have yeah. to take care of my family. Yeah, but she I still to... is principled. Yes. Yes. Whereas Gigi it. is kind of just like, blomp, blomp. <laughs> But I think I would respect, like you're saying, I, re I would respect it if Gigi was just like, no, this is the life I want for myself because I know either I marry some average Joe or I'm, I, I'm this fantasy for multiple men and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think the strength of her like acknowledging it and being like, hey, I know it's not for you, but I'm cool with it is actually very strong. But like they just never commit to it. And I don't even blame Gigi herself because I will say... I really disliked Leslie Caron and in An American in Paris, and I really liked her in this. She's so good in this. She's really charming in this. Yeah, and I feel like in American in Paris, they don't really give her much no. to do. Um, and so she does have, like, more to do in this. And then the one thing that stood out to me is how much younger she looks in this. So strange. Than she did then. Yeah. Yeah, but I... I mean, I, I'm sure that's, like, makeup and hair. Like, she has longer yeah. hair in this and, like, things yeah. like that. And, like, the, there like, is hat and the dress and the like, yeah, all of it. There is some charm in, mm -hmm. from her in this, and like it does come across on the screen. And so you almost do want to like Gigi in a lot of ways, and you do believe that she is this like young naive girl who doesn't really know what's like coming her way. Yeah. And so she, it is a good performance, but I just wish that they really they honed in more on her like being a woman of her own. Yeah, yeah. and I think the other thing is, is that the actor who plays Gaston Louis Jourdan. Yeah. who I've never heard of before, is extremely good looking. Yeah. And 
they make a very good couple. Let's forget the age difference for a minute, but like they make a good looking couple. They're attractive. They're charming. I believe his interest. Like I actually believe their love story because I get what he sees in her, that she's different she's than fun. every other. She's cute. Yeah. Yeah. She's cute, but she's still actually, she's not silly. She's not hollow, and he recognizes that. Yeah. Like, she's substantive, and that's what he likes about her. And that is actually really nice to see. Like, there's this whole kind of retro look at it that he's with these women who are refined, and they're paid to be distinguished and charming and beautiful and all of that. And he's kind of just into this silly girl who just kind of runs around and plays games and cheats and, like, there's something he's looking for meat and substance and he mm-hmm. finds it in her so you get it you get why they're into each other you get it but the whole time i'm thinking like she's only 15 what's she's, gonna happen yeah. in 10 years she's between 12 and 16 <laughs> yeah like that is what that i'm not even that's not a joke that's literally what it is is this based on anything i didn't look if it was based uh, on a anything. book i think a book okay yeah Lo- lolita no <laughs> that's what it feels like Oh, she, she. I'm actually just saying. I think well, and I guess, I guess, if you're thinking about like time-wise, that period in France, that probably it was, was okay. happening. Like, look yeah. at Uma Thurman in Dangerous Liaisons. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like she, like it was okay. Like I guess, but I don't know. That just becomes such a because in the fifties, twas not cool. No, well. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't around. In I don't know. That's true, actually. I don't know I how they felt either. about it. But it's just so evident right now, especially when you start the film off talking about, oh, young girls excite me. <laughs> that like, song was so, so confusing. Gross. Did no one sit in that recording or no producer was just like, this is predatory? But I think, uh, well. You think I, that was the goal? No, I think people didn't talk think or talk about predators in the same way in the 50s have you ever watched the documentary um oh what is it called abducted in plain sight no it's about this family in the 70s or Mm -hmm. late 60s maybe early 70s um and their their neighbor basically like groomed one of their children he was grooming them and he kidnapped Mm. her twice and like it was Oh yes, I actually have seen this. Yeah, he kidnapped yes. her twice. He also had an affair with the mother and he had like a relation with the father. Yeah. Um and like but they talk about it a little bit in the documentary like in that time they didn't know what like child molesters or yeah. predators were. Like people didn't have that notion. So I think in the 50s maybe people didn't see it as like taboo. I also don't know what the laws were then. Like, could yeah, you that's marry a 15-year-old? <laughs> could you? Yeah. I'm sure age of consent was obviously much lower than it is today. Yeah. That's an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. Which, um, thank God we've come a long way <laughs> since that. Yeah, I mean. Because yes. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to have that in a movie today unless there was some sort of consequence to those actions. Yeah. But yeah. also, like, this is such a, like, light film. It, yes, it's so jovial. It's so jovial, yeah. But and they talk about some very dark things. Yes. Prostitution. The, uh, yeah, one. the other aspect is, so we're going to accept that the grandmother and the great aunt are grooming her to be an escort? Yeah, like that's okay. Like, like that's is just, okay? This is what our family does. We yeah. are prostitutes. Which like, if you have autonomy over your own body and like if you're empowered to feel that way, that's fine. Like if you want to be a sex worker, be a sex worker. There's just something so predatory about their approach as well. Yeah. Like they don't even listen to her. 
when she clearly is saying like, I don't want to learn this stuff. I don't know. There was, it was weird. This wasn't what I was expecting it to be. And it was confusing. It's it's a, a range of emotions. Yeah. And, and I think it's because we're watching it in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I can at least recognize that much that it's definitely the time period in which we're watching it. Mm-hmm. But it does lead to the question of why did it win? Yeah. Especially when this movie came out in 1958. Yeah. Nadim, do you know what other movie came out in 1958? Which one? Vertigo. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't even nominated. Wasn't even nominated. I'm very yeah. upset about it. And <laughs> I might cry. Vertigo. Vertigo, which is like arguably his best. Yeah, arguably his best and regarded as one of the greatest films ever Ever. made. And not even nominated. Nominated, I'll pull up that list. We have Mm Anti-Mame, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, The Defiant Ones, Separate Tables. So like not anything of substance that that I would be able to carry on today. No, like I don't even know. I know hot on the cat on a hot tin roof, Mm -hmm. but that's it. But the other thing about this, though, it not only won Best Picture, it won like nine awards. It's it's swept. swept. It's swept, and I think the description says that not until Lord of the Rings did it did another movie sweep. The amount that Gigi swept. Are you shitting me right now? Yes, it's the. Let me try to pull up the um the trivia piece. If I've learned anything in the last 31 movies that we have watched, the thing that the Academy is the most consistent of, and I think this carries on for the next like 60 plus years, the thing they're most consistent about is being inconsistent. Yeah, last that's actually week, very true. Like I, I didn't love Bridge on the River Kwai because it's not my cup of tea. But yeah. that compared to this. I get it. Yeah. Like, I get that win. That makes sense. That is so substantial in terms of, like, cinema. Whereas this, it feels like we went backwards 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So the on Wikipedia, it says, At the 31st Academy Awards, the film won all nine of its nominations, including Best Picture and Best Director for Minnelli. It held the record for the highest clean sweep of nominations until The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, won all 11 of its nominations at the 76th Academy Awards in 2004. That is an insanely long time for a movie to hold that record. And I'm sure there's been pictures that are are better. Yes. I can't name any at the top of my head. But like, <laughs> it's just for crazy. For 46 somehow... years. So this wasn't just liked. It was loved. Loved. By the Academy. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what it was like for um, moviegoers at that time. Uh, let's look at the was box like office. Highest growing. Yeah. Budgeted. The budget was $3.3 million. Box office, $13.2 million. So it did money. It made, it made money. good money. Interesting. Is that budget? So wait, is that box office like adjusted year to date or like? <laughs> I think that's a year to date. It's not adjusted. So then, at the time, what do we know what it made? Thirteen million. Oh, okay. So it's yeah, not, like that's you. not the that's not the adjusted amount for like inflation, inflation and all that. Yeah, jazz. Wow, interesting. <sighs> Why? Like I don't. I'm not understanding. I do want to say, if I take out the big questions that I granted have about this, Mm -hmm. 
about, you know, the age difference and are they grooming her to be an escort and the weird horny uncle and like all of those things. If I take out some of that stuff, there is some real charm about this film. Yes, I think there are some good performances in here, even though he's a pedophile. (laughs) Yeah. He, you know, Gaston is attractive and like, Along with being attractive, there is, like, an appeal to him because he does want something more. Yes. Like, even in the the sequence where, you know, we see Gigi, okay, she's living her best courtesan life. Like, she knows how to act at the parties. And you have him having this moment of, like, shit, I don't want that. Like, I want her to be more substantial. That's really charming. And it's like, oh, he he's this playboy, but he also does have more to him. You fall in love with that idea of them falling in love. Yeah. Yeah. There is is some strange believability about it Mm -hmm. and it's hard and that's i think again the disconnect happened because i was just like there's some things that are actually very charming and very endearing about this film and there's some things that i'm just giant head scratchers Mm. and i think that was i haven't seen a movie in this round where i was just so confused by it yeah it's a bit disjointed the thing that i think no the movie itself isn't disjointed the experiences Yes, that's what I mean. Like, while watching it, because I couldn't tell what I was watching at some point. Like, am I watching a musical? Am I watching a romance? Am I, what is this exactly? Like, where are we, what's the point to all of this? The other thing that I'm just having a hard time wrapping my mind around is this, why is Vincent Minnelli known as like a reputable director? Director? Why is he so famous? Because we've, I've watched two of his films right now and I'm not... I'm not impressed. Yeah. Yeah. No, like neither of these. But I will say, I did like this more than An American in Paris. Yes. I did like the film all like all in one more. Yeah. But if I'm thinking of like musicality, I prefer the music and dance in An American in Paris. I don't think there really is any of that in Gigi. And I think it would be a stronger film if it removed that aspect. I think that's because of Gene Kelly. Yeah, man, that Gene Kelly. <laughs> He's got it going on. Chris Evans. I think Chris Evans can do it. I, I'm I'm like, fingers crossed for Chris. We'll see. We'll he has see a lot of work. He has his work cut out for him. He does. Yeah. So do you think it deserved Best Picture? No. Vertigo no? came out that year, Nadine. Oh, for, I? But <laughs> based on what was nominated. I because it wasn't even nominated. I guess so, but like... I, I don't know any of those movies. Yeah. And I would say, like, if I don't really know the movie, one, it's unfair of me to say yes or no. But yeah. even looking at those names, none of them stand out to me, like, 60 years later. Yeah. Yeah. So I would probably say none of those really do deserve that best picture win. And that's fair because Gigi doesn't stand out either. No, it doesn't. It's not one of the ones you list off when you think of great musicals. Yes. Which is so odd to me because An American in Paris is one of the ones that are usually listed when it comes to yeah. great musicals. And it was so Not. disappointing. <laughs> so yeah. disappointing. So disappointing. Do you have any sequel prequels for this? I would like to see like um, a remake because I think there is really yeah. something you could hone in on there. Yeah. Especially about like being a courtesan of that time and having autonomy and like... Mm-hmm. Especially in today's world, you could talk about sexuality. You could talk about, you know, women as a commodity. Like, there's Mm -hmm. a lot that could be explored. And it would be really interesting to see, like, a female director explore that. Like, 
I was going to say Greta Gerwig, but I feel like that's too on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know why I can't name anybody right now. <laughs> All these. Actually, why is her last name flipping for me? Power of the Dog director. Oh, Jane Campion? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. There could be something really interesting there. Yeah, she could do it. Yeah. Especially with her how like raw she directed the piano. Yeah. Yeah, she could do it. She could. And I I don't think she would make it a musical. I would love to see this movie made today if it's not a musical. That's my sequel prequel. I also think there's a, there's a version of this movie that is a lot darker than this. Yes. Because like right? in my version, she they don't wind up together. On my version, they do. Because that's the whole point. <laughs> or instead of like seeing her become this like courtesan in training, we yeah. see the first few years of her actually being a courtesan. And what's that done to her mentally, emotionally? Is that what um, I haven't seen it? The Alia but Sanjay Lee Bansali film. Oh, Gangubai? Yeah. Is that what that's like in a way? No, because no? she's sold into prostitution. Oh, okay. Very different. Sorry. This is very different. <laughs> yeah. You know, as you're saying that, though, I'm kind of looking like th- at this and I'm I'm kind of getting the appeal. Like, I'm kind of get being like, you know, I, I said I-, I could see a totally darker version of this. But, like, isn't it nice that this isn't? It's just this, like, not frivolous is what I wouldn't say, but it's like a light, like, light, charming film about a, an escort and her John and how they <laughs> fall in love. It's Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> it's Breakfast at Tiffany's, but better than Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. I guess I can, I can see the appeal. This is better than Breakfast at Tiffany's. I can see the appeal of that for the 1950s, for sure. I cannot see that today. I'm starting to like it more I talk the more I talk about it. Yeah. Like, my ratings started off low, and I'm just like, I think I actually enjoyed this more than I thought. Because and I'm, I was really confused by a few things, and that was really limiting me. While it was happening. Yeah. But then what does that say about a film? Like, do you think it was because of your particular mindset in that moment? Or is it really like you needed the second watch? Because what does it say about a movie if you really do need that second watch? But I don't think the movie, I don't think it's the movie's fault. I blame Gen Z and TikTok. Oh, yes. They're always in our brains. But you know, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. jokes aside, there is a certain amount of like, you know, this movie, it's kind of like Gone with the Wind. It wasn't intended to be a Predator's Night, you know, Predator's Dream or to be all these things. There was an intention and there was like a goal. And like you're saying, things were very different in the, like, forget the 1900s where the movie takes place, but even in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And can the movie just not be what it is? Can't it just be like a song about a man who like... He likes, likes little the girls, company yeah. of women, and then the company of women makes him excited to see that one day this little girl will become yeah. a woman. Yeah. Um, saying it like, out loud makes me feel gross. <laughs> and, but again, I, but I get the because I that get is it. the intention of it, and we are we're dirtying it. Yeah, because we've lived the we've last. Lived like, this. are we better as a society for dirtying it? Is that what you're asking? No, I don't think so. Okay. I also don't think so. I think yeah. there's something like. Time and a place. Time and a place. And there's something pure about being able to hear a song called Little Girls and not think that it's a pedophile's anthem. Like, there's something pure about that as well. I guess so. <laughs> I'm not, not that, on Again, that. It's, no, not a, it's not a good song. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to defend it. I'm just saying that, like, you know, like you said, time and a place. Time and a place. I can understand time and a place. What's your rating, Mita? Um, so I 
you know, while watching this, I was a bit confused of what's going on here. These songs are not good. I almost said that out loud as we watched it. But then I was like, no, I shouldn't. What if I persuade Nadim to think that these songs are not good? What if he loves them? What if this is his new, I don't know, um, Lane Jange, Lane Jange. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what is his his, part of his top 10 songs (laughs) for the next year? But I was very confused about, like, what this movie was, what it's trying to say, like, what is the purpose of all this? Mm-hmm. And I can understand having, like, just a fun fun film, a bop, if you will. Yeah. I can appreciate a bop. I love a good bop. I just feel like when you're presented as being this movie that has swept the awards and, like, is you know, the favorite of 1958. And then I think about something that I love, like Vertigo, which I think actually does have something to say and does a great job at putting it and is a totally different perspective than anything else in that specific time. I think in 1958, you probably had a lot of movies like Gigi and Mm -hmm. nothing about Gigi kind of stands out because you could clump this in with Funny Face. You could clump it in with American Paris and all these other kind of musicals of that time. And there's nothing really grand or great about it that I was moved by. I think it's a nice, simplistic love story, Mm -hmm. and that's cute, but I don't think it should fall in line with being the best picture. Yeah. And my overall rating of it is going to be two and a half stars. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's so complicated. It's such a strange little film. And again, I think... I think these movies are just they're they're complicated to watch now because of the world we live in mm-hmm. and our societal need to make everything be right now like to fit and be appropriate for like when we watch it and like cancel culture and all of that like no matter how little much we don't want to subscribe to it and how much I personally hate it it's just seeping in and it's harder and harder and harder to get away from it and that I find very annoying and upsetting because some things are just what they are, man. Like, why can't we just enjoy things for what they are? Just because I'm enjoying something like Gigi, for instance, because that's what we're talking about. Why does that not mean that I understand predator, like what it means to be a predator and what it means to groom and, you know, what prostitution means? Like, like I get all of that. But why can't I just watch this movie and take it in for what it is? Which is ultimately this charming little film about you know, a, a escort and her man. Teenage escort. Teen, teenage escort, fine. But again, if that's what was acceptable at the time, who are we to say? Mm-hmm. Right? If at the time that's what was in the norm, and I guess that's maybe why it's set in 1900, is because there's meant to be this kind of like age difference. There's meant to be this kind of, she's meant to be really young. Why can't we just take it in for what it is? Hmm. Why can't we just enjoy things for what they are? Again, realizing that, fine, things have changed and, like, all of that. And I think what I especially feel about this film is that it's not like The Godfather in that it hasn't stood the test of time and it hasn't become a marker for the present. So people aren't looking at it as a storyteller. Like, people aren't looking at it and thinking, oh, this is how you do it right, with all its problems and all. This is a movie that has kind of like disappeared. It's very small. It's very quiet. So can't we just enjoy it for what it is? Do you know? So I don't think I don't think it was incredible, but I was charmed by it. I'm not going to lie. Like and there were things there were some storytelling mechanisms and devices. There was this kind of tongue in cheekness about it that I really liked. 
like the jokes about her suicide and kind of society and things like that. And again, that's a hilarious joke. That whole sequence is actually really funny. Oh, she tried, she committed suicide again. How did she do it this time? Like there's, there's some real like gold lines in this. And some kid somewhere is going to be like, we can't joke about mental health. It's triggering for someone. It's suicide. Fuck man, just enjoy it for what it is. And I think to me that really speaks because I enjoyed this, I think, for what it is. I didn't love it the way people clearly in the 1950s loved it, Mm. but I liked it. Did it deserve one's best picture? I don't know. I haven't seen anything else. I can understand being utterly charmed by this, though, and why it did win. Did it deserve that win? I don't know. And I can also see why this won over Vertigo. Not again that I agree with it, yeah. but this is charming. This is it is really, really charming. Vertigo's not charming. And it's kind of that simple. I find James Stewart charming. <sighs> God. With his white vertigo. bread. He can't stand up straight. And I was charmed by the charm, so I'm giving it three stars. Three. Three yeah. for Nadim. Okay. A total of five and a half. But that was GG. Yeah. It was cute. Yeah. It is adorable. I will give it that. It's, yeah. It's adorable. It's adorable. Adorbs. Mita, we got a big one coming next week. Yeah. A, a real big one. one. A huge one. But before we get to that, hmm. game me. Game. I will game you. Okay. So last week, you had me connect that thing you do mm-hmm. to the White Lotus. I did. Yes. Which I did finish season two, everybody. I'm all cut yes. up. Yeah. Um, no, I can't say that because it'll spoil things that. for it's people. Brand new. Yeah, I won't say a word. Okay, but uh, Nadim, this week I'm challenging you to connect the White Lotus to a film you and I are gonna watch next week. Oh, Tar. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> I found a way. Did you? I'm sure you did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and your timer starts now. Okay. The White Lotus stars a lot of people. You can use either season one or two. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. That's nice. Oh, God. Okay, I'm going to go backwards like you do. Tara yeah. stars Kate Blanchett, who... Oh. oh. It's hard because there's so many people. Yeah, I yeah. know. So I'm trying to find Kate Blanchett. Okay. <sighs> Jennifer Coolidge is in The White Lotus. Yeah. With Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. Yeah. Who is in The Great Gatsby with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Who was in The Aviator with Kate Blanchett. Yeah, there you go. That's our way of doing it. Um, I saw that you almost forgot what The Aviator was. And yes, I, was I like, did. The Aviator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right there. Uh, right there. Uh, that's our way to do it. Yeah. Yes, I'm very proud of that. You got that Thank in 51 you. seconds. Would you like to oh. know the way that yes, I did please. it? Um, I took who the person who's our favorite person from season two, Daphne, yes. played by actress Megan Fahey, who did not get nominated for a Golden Globe and I think should have. She should have, yeah. Because she is this, between her and Aubrey Plaza, she's yeah, the stronger she's one. excellent, yeah. But yeah, so Megan Fahey is in the Jessica Chastain movie, Miss Sloan. Do you remember Miss Sloan? Oh, okay. Miss Sloan, yes. Miss Sloan, yeah. Miss Sloan also stars Mark Strong, who is in Tar. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I was not going to do that connection, but thank you very much for it. You're welcome. Okay. Yes, Mita and I are going to rent Tar and watch it in my theater, all two hours and 40 minutes of it. Yes, it's very exciting. Very exciting. 
Okay, but that is next week. What is also next week, Mita? Ben Her. Ben freaking Her. <laughs> a three. What a hour way to movie. end the year. Yeah. That's wow. gonna be a big one. Yep. <laughs> oh, gotta brace yourself for it. I know. Do you have any parting words for us? I, I do, Nadim. These Excellent. are words that I wish were said to me more often. Okay. Have a piece of cheese. <laughs> that is so good. And context, too, in it's the so scene. Cute. It's hilarious. Have a yeah. piece of cheese. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> the movie is full of little things like that. Yeah. Great lines. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for Ben, Her... Have a lovely new year. We'll see you in 2023. Enjoy it. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number 2 Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.